The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Good morning, Dick Gaberlin for the voice of the Wildcats. He had a late night, and a lot of people had a late night, but Tom worked the Kentucky-LSU game last night, so happy to sit in for him this morning. And what a game it was. The Wildcats coming back again from double digits down to beat LSU, avenge one of their only losses in the SEC. And once again, it was a different person coming through for the Wildcats. We're going to talk a lot about Bryce Hopkins this morning here in the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. We have got a great lineup of guests, as always, here on the Leach Report. Ken Spencer from WHAS-TV in Louisville, longtime sports anchor here in Lexington. Justin Rowland of Cats Illustrated and Darren Hedrick, the radio voice of the U.K. women's basketball team. And they are on quite a roll themselves so we've got a lot to do let's get right to the wildcat news of the day presented by giuseppe's check out the new climate controlled patio and the drive-through window for orders to go and a reminder links to these stories are on the bud light leach report page and as always you can find them at tomleachky.com were you concerned about the wildcats when that game began because just like alabama LSU came out and it seemed as though was hitting everything it was throwing up. Three-pointer after three-pointer. Wildcats would throw in a shot. Kentucky would hit a two and LSU would come right back with a three. But ultimately, the Kentucky defense is what took hold and gave the Wildcat offense a chance to catch up and then take the lead. And in fact, take a big lead in the second half. Kentucky limited LSU to 36.8% shooting from the floor. That means Kentucky now is 221 and 24. The Cats have won 90%, 90-plus percent of their games under John Calipari when they've kept their opponent at 40% or below. That includes a 12-0 and mark this season. The Wildcats dominated on the boards 36-24. They're 20-2 and this year when they win the battle of the boards and the Wildcats, as I mentioned, got out to a big lead. It grew to as big as 15 points. Under Calipari, they've won 96% of their games when they've led by at least 10 points at any time in the contest. And, of course, they did it again without Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington. But they knew that going in. As Orlando Antigua pointed out to the media yesterday, it's different when you lose guys during a game which ruptures the game plan that's one thing. When you can prepare, especially on defense, when you don't have those guys, it's a world of difference. Will they play at Arkansas? Who knows? But we have seen now, it's not that the Wildcats don't need them, but they have been able to reach down and find something that enables them to overcome the loss of two of the best players in the country, if not on the team. So we'll talk more about that coming up here on the show. Other stories. UK baseball Wildcats open the home portion of their schedule with a comeback win over Bellarmine. Bellarmine now for the second year in Division One baseball. They play in the A Sun, which is where Eastern Kentucky is now, 
And Bellarmine's starting pitcher, Drew Burr, was masterful through seven innings, through seven shutout innings, one-hit baseball. Uh, and then Kentucky broke through in the ninth against the second of two Bellarmine relievers. Jacob Plastiak hit a disputed home run. And at first it was disputed. Uh, the umpires got together, first called it a double, then said it was a home run, which was correct. Then they went and reviewed it. And in just a matter of a couple minutes, they were right back out saying it was a home run. So that tied the game. And then Chase Eastep singled. Araj Anu put a double into the right center field gap. Eastep with all kinds of speed scored easily. And the Wildcats won it 3-2 to two to remain perfect. 4-0 on the year. They take on Western Michigan in a three-game set this weekend starting tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. And finally, Abby Steiner. Kentucky women's track and field senior sprinter is the SEC Women's Indoor Track and Field Scholar Athlete of the Year, voted by the league's head coaches. Steiner, of course, excels in the classroom, 3.85 GPA in kinesiology, of all things. (laughs) Man. Uh, And also broke the collegiate record in the 200 meter with a run of 22.37. She's the second fastest 200 meter runner indoors in American history and now holds the sec and school record in the event all right when we come back we're going to chat with ken spencer of whas it's the leach report served up by wild eggs of lexington get to a radio you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com now back to the show welcome back dick gaberlin for tom leach here on the voice report the voice report the voice of the wildcats on the leach report you want to call it the voice report that's not a bad idea i may copyright that either way it's served up by wild eggs of lexington and speaking of voices one of the voices of louisville sports and formerly Lexington Sports, Kent Spencer is on the line with us. Good morning, sir. Kent, with an early morning after a late night, but you're a dad. You were getting up anyway, right? But I've, I've been up for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I know this. You have young children. Uh, so while yeah. you're wiping the sleep out of your eyes, let me ask you about last night's game. And uh, what was your take on the first part of the game and then the second part? Because it looked suspiciously like the Alabama game. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously the first part of the game, I just didn't think Kentucky was getting getting good looks at all um, offensively. You know, I think LSU did a good job. Uh, you know, I actually heard, you know, um, Xavier Pinson, and I know it's not this simple, but I, I saw uh, something that he said last night after the game. He goes, look, it was this simple. He said, in the first half, like, we were the tougher team, and we wanted it more. He said, in the second half, you know, they were the tougher team. They wanted it more. They just they played harder than we did. Um, and I think it, sometimes it can be that, you know, it can be that simple. Um, but sometimes, you know, you need a spark. And I think Bryce Hopkins was, was definitely that spark. And um, I don't think anybody saw that thing coming. But, you know, with some of the examples that we've seen this year, um, whether it was Damian Collins, you know, or, yeah. um, you know, somebody else one game, you know, it, it, it can happen. And and last night was just his night. 
Yeah, no question about it. And I am really hesitant to use the wanted it more description because I think it's overused. But I think it clearly was the case last night, especially Bryce Hopkins. You know, in Calipari, you heard him talk after the game about telling and he said it all year, be ready, be ready. And Hopkins has had chances, and they've needed him. But, brother, when he went in last night, he, he it looked like he knew exactly what needed to be done. Am I right? Yeah, you know, and it's, it's so funny, Dick, because, you know, and I even asked him after the game last night, I said, you know, you've had, and, and, and granted, the spurts that he's played have been small, but it's, it's kind of the way that he's looked in those spurts is the reason why he hasn't played, I think, more than, than, he, than he has. Um, he just, he's looked unsure of himself um, for most of the, definitely through conference play, but even through, you know, most of the season, he's just looked unsure of himself at times, um, you know, and almost trying, you know, too much to make something happen. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes ends up looking like a bull in a china shop. <laughs> um, but the thing about it is, is, is last night he was just, I mean, you know, everything that he did, it seemed like it was the right play. He was aggressive. Um, you know, and over the summer, you know, everything that you heard, I mean, I was told, like, he's the best player on the team um, wow. over the summer. And they were like, I, the, the two things that I, to, I, I was told was Bryce, Bryce Hopkins was the best player on the team and Oscar Sheepway grabs every rebound. <laughs> well, we know the second thing's definitely true. <laughs> and, and Oscar's probably the best player on the team, too. But, um, you know, then he got a little injury in his back. It kind of set him back. And, and I think he lost his confidence a little bit. I think maybe last night, you know, who knows? It could be a huge step forward in, in getting that confidence back, and he could be a different player the rest of the way. And wasn't it interesting what Sheboy said after the game when he said, first, I am so proud of Bryce, uh, but then he said that what you just said. He said in the workouts leading up to the season, he said we couldn't stop Bryce Howard, and he's a tremendous athlete. And you know what I like about his game, Kent, and you've talked to him, you know this, is in high school he played all five positions. Uh, but I think sometimes that leads to him trying to do too much, whereas his role last night was get in there, be physical, rebound, play defense, and take it to him, and that's exactly what he did. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more about that because sometimes when you have to do everything in high school, yeah. it's hard to zone in on a few of the simple things that maybe a college team requires you to do. Um, and I think with some of the guys, you know, the reason why Kentucky is, is playing the way that they're playing right now is because all of these guys, you know, most of them aren't trying to do too much. It's what do you need me to do for us to be successful and let me do that. And like, I mean, I, I think, you know, a guy that I think is a, is a perfect example of that is, um, most in most cases, is a key on Brooks. Like, I yeah. even think early in the season, I thought he was trying to do too much. And then he's just kind of bought in and kind of doing his thing, and he's ended up playing the best basketball of his career in, in college. But I think, you know, when you're a freshman and you come in and you've had to do everything, that's kind of a that's, – that's hard to – it's not because you're selfish. It's just because that's what you're used to doing, and it's, it's hard to be programmed a different way. I got about a minute left, Kent. Tell me about Kentucky going to Arkansas, even if it does, especially if it doesn't play the two guards and decide, and Calipari decides to keep resting them. Well, I'm not going to say if they're if they're going to go in there shorthanded. 
against Arkansas the way Arkansas is playing tonight in a place like Bud Walton that can rock like that. I'm not going to say they don't have a chance, but it's it's slim to none. Um, you know, they're they're obviously going to really need those two guys back healthy. But you know, just like Calipari kind of said last night, if they're not healthy, they don't need to play. Yeah. Kentucky has put themselves, I think, with and especially with what they've done these last two games uh, against Alabama and LSU, they put themselves in a good position seed wise um, for the NCAA tournament. Um, so, I mean, it's not like it's a game that you want, but it's not a game that you have to have. The most important thing for them is is to get right for postseason play. Ken Spencer, WHS-TV in Louisville, up late covering the Cats up early this morning to chat with us and, of course, to secondarily take care of his children. Uh, Kent, go take a nap, brother. Yeah, it's time to make some waffles, buddy. <laughs> I know you'll crush them, too. Thanks. Talk to you soon. And when we Bye-bye. come back, Justin Rowland of CatsIllustrated.com right here on the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, Dick Gabriel in for the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach, joined now by Justin Rowland of CatsIllustrated.com. Good morning, sir. Late night, but you're up early. We appreciate it. Absolutely. we got to talk about it. Special team, and, uh, and yeah, always something to talk about with this bunch. Good words. Special team, two good words. And I don't think we're being parochial here. I think people across, obviously people across the country have noticed this. And before, during, and after the game, they said it on ESPN. This is a team that can win the national title. And Justin, it's, it's just, and I know we're, we're a little parochial here, but any team in America, you take their starting backcourt away, uh, and especially two guys as talented, and they pull off victories like this, it's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, playing against Alabama, who's shooting the eyes out of the ball, and playing very confident, and uh, then against LSU, which I thought the lead against LSU, uh, the deficit against LSU was more daunting, just because the the defense that they're capable of playing, and you could see Will Wade kind of trying to tighten the screws and take the life out of the game, and and he really milked the shot clock, and it just looked like it was going to be harder for them to claw back, and then in the second half, they just have this singular ability to force their tempo and and their urgency. And even the starting guards out, Davian Mintz, when it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, he gets downhill. And when you get downhill with Oscar and, and a couple of shooters they have, they can make up, make up deficits in a hurry. And they've got a big margin for error compared yeah. to a lot of other Kentucky teams. Yeah, that's a great point. And let me let me back up to the two teams you talked about, Alabama, LSU. We know Alabama needs to hit three pointers to win. I won't say that's a gimmick, but it's it's basically a system, if you will. Uh, LSU's deal or system is defense and great at it, no question about it. What is Kentucky's scheme or system? How would you how would you characterize that? I'd say the thing that defines Kentucky more than anything else is their ability to get a lot of high-percentage shots early in the clock. And, you know, that's usually because Wheeler sets the table so well, and they've got a few guys who are just elite at something. Like, like Grady is always going to be a danger. You've got to chase him. And they, that just plays off of each other, and they're very complimentary on offense. Uh, but, you know, with the starting backcourt out, there's, I, it's kind of difficult to say. These have been effort wins, you know, that yeah. they haven't gotten as good, as good a looks as when those guys have been in the game. 
they just kind of gutted it out and, and surged past the other team in the second half. And I think they've kind of taken these teams by surprise, the force of intensity that they've played with coming out of the locker room, especially against LSU. And uh, an effort defines them as well, and that's been there. Great point. Uh, I think regardless of the outcome, you have to tip your cap to LSU for the defensive job the Tigers did. They tried to surround Oscar. didn't work. But Kellen Grady never even got a clean look at a three. Wildcats overcame it, but you got you got to hand it to LSU for taking away that element. He still hurt LSU, but he did not launch or, or ignite any Kentucky rallies with the long bombs, did he? That's right. There's just always somebody that can step up. You know, Damian Collins had that game earlier in the season, and Bryce Hopkins yeah. had had the game last night. And I, you know, I'm not putting Hopkins or Collins down when I say this. It just it looked a little bit more real for Hopkins in the short term for me. Like, there's no reason he can't create those looks for himself whenever he's called upon. Now, he's not always going to hit those shots, but it, it had me wondering. Like, this guy could be a PJ Washington kind of player. I'm not saying he's going to be like a National Player of the Year candidate next year, but that kind of skill set and it just might be a matter of getting him the opportunity and the experience to round into that kind of player. And and they've had him buried on the bench the whole season. So somebody always steps up for him. He's a bit of a tweener, but I think last night that worked to his advantage because he was playing out on the floor yet able to get inside and bang and, and get up around the rim. Yes, and he took a three-pointer when he was early, early when he was in the game, and it looked like Calipari. I thought Calipari was going to pull him out, <laughs> but you could tell. I, I think Cal is coaching differently with his yeah. starting backcourt out. He's giving people more leash, and I think he knew that he needed somebody who could create their own shot. And you know, Hopkins, there there are probably little things that are keeping him from getting more playing time. Not to mention their really strong core ahead of him that right. plays the whole game. Um, but he knew that he was a shot creator. And the next two times down the court, he, he scored, he got fouled, and everybody in the arena seemed to know that th- this guy, <laughs> he had been buried on the bench, and all of a sudden he was a go-to guy. So, so yeah, special team in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, I got about 30 seconds before the break, but uh, I, don't, I don't know that Calipari plays Wheeler uh, and Washington against Arkansas, and that's okay, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I don't want to say it's all gravy at this point, but no. you would hope that the committee is not only looking at numbers and they're considering what they've achieved the last two games with their starting backcourt out. I mean, that to me is very right. impressive. And, right. I, you know, it would help the case for a one seed with everybody else still padding their resume, but, but you got to be, be careful with the tournament in mind. We'll talk more with Justin Rowland on the other side of the break. Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach on the Leach Report, brought to you by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Justin Rowland of Cat Illustrated, part of the Rivals Network, is our guest, Dick Gabriel, for Tom Leach from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. And Justin, I saved this question for this segment as we were running short on time because it deserves more than a hurried answer. And you tweeted last night about the fact that Calipari deserves a ton of credit. Say what you will about his ability as an X's and O's coach. People like to debate and discuss that. I do think he has grown enormously uh, since coming to Kentucky. But the way he's prepared his teams, and then 
manage these games, and I use that word deliberately because of the manpower shortage, I think needs discussion, and you kind of touched on that last night on Twitter. Where else would you like to go with that? I mean, he's a very strong candidate for National Coach of the Year. You typically don't give it to somebody who's got a team and a roster this good. They tend to get kind of the the short end of the straw in those awards in the postseason, but they've faced a lot of adversity this year with guys being out and you thought you had a really deep team, and it turns out maybe not as deep as you thought. And he, He's changed the way that he's coached these last couple of games and given people more leash. And, you know, I, I just thought, number one, he outcoached Nate Oates, who didn't really make any adjustments, didn't call a timeout in during two Kentucky runs that just flipped that game. And you kind of – I don't want to say you saw the folly of, of Oates' strategy with that everybody had been so enamored with last season – but you, you see that Calipari's approach is certainly not outdated or obsolete because of analytics. And then against Will Wade, who I thought actually coached a good game, yeah. you, what do you do? Do you attack this, this team without it starting backcourt with a press, or do you force them to grind it out in the half court? And I thought he did both to different success at different times in the game. But Calipari just seemed to trust. They didn't panic in the first half. They didn't create a bunch of shots that went the other way and made the lead grow. He just got it into the second half and trusted that an experienced team was gonna was gonna turn it on and he made some tweaks again. And I just he's coaching this team really well and you can see tell he just really loves coaching this team and I would imagine a lot of college basketball coaches go a whole career wishing they would have a team like this to coach. And uh and you can tell he he's doing a good job of it. I always liked it and I said this last year as well, it just never came to fruition that, you know, making shots covers a lot of ills but it also makes people feel really good about teams. And and this team, well, I think if last team, last year's team had made shots much better, it, it still wouldn't have mattered that much. It just wasn't that much of a team of the capital T. But this one surely is. And I've asked a lot of people this question, Justin, so I'll ask you. Why is this team so likable? I just think it's a throwback college basketball team. I mean, you've got – it's just rare to see um, – guys who have been at the college level for multiple years, and they each have a story at the college level. You know, what Oscar went through at West Virginia and, you know, immigrating to the United States and the opportunity at Kentucky and Severe Wheeler in the off season when we were talking about point guard options, he was almost the guy, I think to a lot of people, he was almost the guy that they weren't excited about. They were, they were fascinated with these other guys in the transfer portal, I mean, maybe not more than him, but they saw this guy, can he shoot? Is he too short? Yeah. And he, and Grady, you know, the way the year started, you probably wondered, maybe he's not going to be a zero, but it's like, why is this guy not even shooting? Like, what did we get? <laughs> yeah. I thought this guy was 17 a game for four straight years. And then just slowly and surely, Ty Ty has the horrible game against Duke to start the year. Um, just everybody slowly surely sticking to the process and coming into their roles and and they just kind of blossom you didn't really know how good they were at the beginning of the season because the competition wasn't that great but just the way that they've beaten some of these other teams um it's just i don't it's exactly the kind of season kentucky fans needed after last year oh that's a great point yeah not just in terms of how good they are but kind of undoing the frustrations on three-point shooting on not having older players on um, you know the COVID pandemic, keeping the home the home fans from bonding with the team and having some of these these games as experiences, it's just exactly what they needed on every level. I think you keep an eye, of course, on recruiting. 
And I had a caller on my show the other night ask, is this going to be the blueprint moving forward for Calipari with the portal? And I said, you better believe it. I said, he may not be as successful. You know, you never know when the next Oscar Shibway is coming through that door, meaning the portal, uh, or a Kellen Grady or even a Davion Mintz. But, yeah, I think from here on, he'll still go after the top freshman, but it won't be top-heavy with inexperienced players. I see him, as long as the rules remain in place, he'll definitely, and every coach ought to try to supplement their roster with talent coming through the portal that is proven and experienced. Do you agree? That's right. You can't, you can't control who is going to be available. But with Kentucky basketball, you know, you know that you're going to be one of the first, first to get to pick. Who, who you're yeah. getting out of the portal, and even more so after this year. I mean, imagine you're Kentucky, you're Calipari, you're selling the platform, you're selling the pro culture, the preparation for the pro level, and now you're saying, well, look at what Oscar did, look at what Sevier did, look at what Kellen Grady did. None of these guys in, in a million years would regret their decision to come here. And Kellen Grady, you know, he, he's not going to average as many points as, as he did, and that's always been fine under Calipari, but He's going to be considered an elite, elite, elite level NBA shooter prospect. Um, and, uh, you know, Wheeler, I think the book on him has changed quite a bit, and Oscar has changed completely. So this is going to play off each other, feed off each other, and make it even more attractive to guys in the portal. i got about 90 seconds left, but uh, let me throw quickly the question at you about Kentucky looking for a new offensive coordinator. This is going to be really important. It always is hiring a coordinator, but I think, speaking of blueprints, Mark Stoops has got this figured out. I don't care who he hires. I think, well, I do, but uh, going back to the NFL, looks like that's working. Yeah, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Rob Calabrese, this, this quarterback coach for the New York Jets, is, is supposedly somebody that we're, we're and others are hearing or is going to be a strong candidate, and that's, a, that's something a lot of coaches are doing right now. You know, going back a couple of years, a lot of coaches are talking about the key being marrying concepts from the college rushing game and the pro passing game. And Grant was a great offensive coordinator, but I think he got the running game a little bit more than he got the passing game. Yeah. And Cohen comes in, and he, he definitely got the passing game. And if they get this Calabrese guy from the Jets, I'm sure he would come with Cohen's recommendation. A lot of, a lot of people think very highly of him um, in terms of an offensive mind and bringing some of those concepts to the college level and they're going to be more ready to, to take it and run with it this year because Levis is such an experienced and, and smart quarterback, and they're going to be a pretty mature offense across the board. Justin Rowland of 247, rather, of Rivals. I always mix them up. My apologies. But just think Cats Illustrated with Justin. <laughs> and follow him on Twitter, of course. Uh, you need to do that. And we thank you for joining us, sir. And uh, if you can take a little nap today, you probably earned it. Always appreciate it, Dick. Have a good one. Have a good one. When we come back, Darren Hedrick, the voice of U.K. women's basketball and Kentucky baseball. You're listening to the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for The Voice, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio on a miserable, rainy, chilly February morning. So a good time to uh, warm yourself over your radio or your phone if you're listening on an app. And we are joined now by Darren Hedrick, 
who is the radio voice of the Kentucky women's basketball team, as well as baseball. We'll talk about both with Derek or Darren. He joins us from Columbia, Missouri, where the Wildcats take on Mizzou tonight. Good morning, sir. Hey, Dick, how's it going, my man? We are well. Uh, I don't know what time you all landed yesterday, but I'm wondering, did you get a chance to catch much of uh, the men's game last night? Yeah, we, we took off about 7.30 from uh, Lexington and, and got in. So I think the game was just a couple of minutes old. So we oh. I had a chance to listen to it on the bus coming in, and then we watched most of the second half in the hotel. Man, what a comeback again oh. for the Cats, showing a lot of heart and fight being shorthanded. That was impressive. Yeah, and alert listener Mike tweeted at us this morning. He said, when is the last time a team won a game with only three assists? which tells you just how tough that game was and how good the LSU defense was. And he also pointed out a key in the second half was that Davion Mintz worked through and around screens to stay with Pinson, who had a huge game, but needed 20 shots to get his 26 points. So one of the big reasons the Wildcats came back and won that one. And speaking of coming back, Darren, how remarkable has this turnaround been for the U.K. women who are not only winning, but I mean winning impressively, after that stretch of games where injury, illness, suspensions, they were down to half a dozen players. I thought they were going to put you in at one point. Uh, just tell me <laughs> tell me a little bit about this turnaround. Yeah, it's been so much fun to watch. And, you know, I just think it speaks to the job that Coach Elsie has done and the players to rally now that they're healthy. They've rallied around each other. They've not given up on the season. They're fighting down the stretch here. And they've got themselves back in position to possibly make the NCAA tournament. They jumped several spots with that win at Arkansas. And I think if you can win on the road at Missouri tonight, another team with a winning record, a bubble team, and then finish strong at Auburn and maybe win a game or two in the SEC tournament, they're going to make the NCAA, which would just be an incredible finish to the year. But I, I think when people ask me, Dick, it's just the biggest thing is the team is healthy now and, and they're finding their groove at the right time. And it would have been easy for these kids to fold their collective tent, if you may permit me to use mm-hmm. the cliche, and say, yeah, you know, this season's lost. And sorry, Ryan, you're not going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, let's go have fun. But their effort has been tremendous. It really has. You know, and it's not just Finn Ryan that stepped up down the stretch. Jada Walker's emerged, the freshman guard. She's yeah. the reigning SEC freshman of the week. Drayana Edwards has really bounced back from some uh, issues that she's had this year. And I've really been impressed in the last week or so with Jasmine Massingill. She's taken her game to a whole new level, and they're making a difference right now. And also, Nia Leveretter getting into the starting lineup, she's made a difference in her minutes. Tell me a little bit about this team away from the floor. You travel with them. I've traveled with teams. You learn a lot about these kids. And and watching them celebrate on the bench as these last four games have wound down, I think tells you a little bit as well. It really has, and you know, this team is close off the floor as it is on. There's uh, there's really no clicks on this team. They're all sort of together, and that's that's the hallmark of a, a good team, and you know, you obviously wish the record was better, but going through the 
injuries they have. I, I just think this team is having fun. They've got a you know nothing to lose mentality right yeah. now, and a lot of times those are the type of teams that are the most dangerous. So what do you see tonight? Tell me, you said you talked about Mizzou being a bubble team. You like Kentucky's mm-hmm. chances tonight? Yeah, this is going to be a tough matchup. Missouri is a different team when they play at home. There's just something about uh, the Tigers. They're the only team this year to beat South Carolina, and they did it at home. And so Kentucky's going to have their challenge. Missouri packs it in defensively. They want you to settle for 18-footers and and three-pointers. And then offensively, they're just like Arkansas and the last couple of teams that Kentucky's had to play. They're guard-oriented. So Kentucky's going to have to be ready to – guard against screens and straight line drives again tonight because they're a very versatile group. But, you know, if Kentucky shows up with the intensity and the effort they had at Arkansas, I think they'll be fine. As I mentioned, Darren, and everybody knows, is the radio voice of the baseball Wildcats. And I know you had a chance to peek at yesterday's game before you got on the plane. And clearly a long way to go this season. But already some things to like about this baseball team, starting for one thing, Darren, with this bullpen, man, they have been perfect, and they've struck out a lot of people. Yeah, coming into this year, one of the most exciting aspects of this team for me was the pitching staff, and we can talk about the starters, but you're right. The bullpen is really – they've added a lot of depth there, a lot of quality depth, and I think that's going to be a group that can carry this team through the spring, and so that is definitely something to be excited about. Darren Williams, who pitched yesterday, such a competitor – I think Austin Strickland's going to be a guy that can close games for them in SEC play this year with his tenacity and his abilities. And you throw in Tyler Guilfoyle, who's got an outstanding fastball. You mix those in with Sean Harney and Daniel Harper and, and all those guys that have uh, been with this group for a few years now. And that, that's a really stout bullpen. Gil, as you know, Guilfoyle, uh, Lexington native, started his career and had a good one at the Lipscomb, but transferred to Kentucky and made his home field debut last night and held the game. And then Strickland comes on and gets the win thanks to the late innings, inning heroics of uh, Plastiac and Araj Anu. Strickland at one point touched 93 on the gun, and it's early in the season. Wow. So that's going to be fun to watch. But um, as you well know, this is going to be a station-to-station team. Not a lot of power, but, boy, Plastiac, you know, that bomb he hit against Jacksonville. Then he goes yard last night with a game on the line. So he is really blossoming, isn't he? Yeah, he really is. And those are going to be some key guys this year. I mean, Ryan Ritter is going to do what he's going to do at the top of the order. Hunter Jump's going to be a steady bat, a line drive hitter. But this offense really needs Plastiac and Arajanu and Chase Step all to produce, and so far we've seen that. That's a really encouraging sign now as we start really getting into the season. Yeah, and you mentioned Jump. He gets on base in the ninth inning and scores ahead of Plastiac's home run. So that's the kind of team effort it's going to take, you know, guys setting the proverbial mm-hmm. table uh, and then other guys driving them in. Uh, it's the fifth year in the Nick Mingione era, and – He's finally got a chance to build a little momentum with his recruiting, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I th- I think they really like the class that's coming in for next season with the way it's shaping up. And this this is a team that has a chance this year to make some noise and potentially, hopefully, get back to the NCAA regionals. I think this is a group here with their quality pitching depth and just their 
their competitive spirit, just that fight to win. I, yeah. I think this is a group that's going to win some games this year. I agree, and you tweeted the other day, or you were actually, I think, part of the group text that we have going, you and Doug Flynn and Keith Madison and me, uh, where you could you could see a way that this team wins 15 or 16 conference games, and you do that, and you're in the post-game SEC tournament postseason and a shot at the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you know the amazing thing about college baseball and the SEC with as talented and as deep as it is, you can win 13 games and you're on the bubble. You can win 14 games, you're in the NCAA regional, and Dick, as you know, you win 15 or 16 and you're probably hosting the regional because of the the talent of the SEC and how well it's regarded. So this team has an opportunity to do that. There's no margin for error with the schedule they have this year. If you lose one, you shouldn't. It's going to be hard to make that up somewhere else. But this team has an opportunity to to be 500 or a little better in the league this year. Darren Hedrick is the radio voice of the baseball Wildcats and U.K. women's basketball. He'll be on the air tonight at 745 Eastern Time, 8 o'clock tip for Kentucky and Missouri, and the Cats going for their fifth in a row. Darren, thanks so much. Uh, Catch a nap if you can, but uh, have a great one. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks for having me. That's Darren Hedrick, and as we come back, we'll wrap up this edition of The Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Thanks again to our guests this morning, Kent Spencer, Darren Hedrick, and Justin Rowland. And a reminder, as we said, the U.K. women playing tonight at 8 o'clock against Missouri and uh, Darren will have that call for you. He'll be back in time to do Kentucky baseball, Western Michigan, on Friday afternoon. And we'll have that one for you, Doug Flynn and yours truly, on SEC+. Plus. So listen on the U.K. Sports Network. Watch on SEC+. Plus. That is a 4 o'clock start. Darren will have pregame for you at 345, and Doug and I will take air at uh, 4 o'clock straight up. So a big three-game series for the Wildcats against the Broncos this weekend as Kentucky will try to remain undefeated in college baseball. And next up for the men's basketball team, as you well know, Arkansas coming up 2 o'clock. CBS has it. Uh, and check your local listings here in Lexington on WKYT, WLKY in Louisville, and, of course, Tom and Mike Pratt here on the U.K. Sports Network. Coming up, Billy and the Dude on most of these same stations. Thanks to Shannon the Dude for his help this morning. Have a great day, everybody. I'm Dick Gabriel. That's it. So long from Lexington. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show.